0: The Guardian. Welcome to Reach and Frequency, The Guardian's podcast about advertising, media and everything that goes around it. We're here from the Guardian's advertising department. My name's Imogen Fox. I'm Adam Foley. And this episode, we're going to focus on brand safety, which is a term that seems to be everywhere at the moment, but we're going to look at where it came from, what it stands for, and why it's important or not. So to sort of start at the beginning, Adam, what exactly is brand safety?
1: Well, I think you do have to go back to the actual beginning, when um, media agencies started buying advertising online um, back in the 90s. So uh, <laughs> our favorite decade. Yes. Uh, but when you start um, uh, looking at that, at the time, if you were trying to buy um, an advertising schedule, so if you were trying to target uh, older men, you might choose a golf websites right. or an um, autumn bill website, those kind of cliches, right? And what you would effectively do is give the client a list of websites that you're going to advertise on, and you'd have, you'd have handpicked them, right? But obviously, the internet's grown a little bit since then and, and then to try and predict what people are going to do is, um, is ever more difficult because everyone has their own individualistic kind of browsing history.
0: Right. So where does brand safety come into it then? Well, if
1: what, what the progression was, was that people went from knowing exactly where they were advertising to not knowing all the sites that they were advertising on. And as you know, uh, there are sort of lots of dark corners of the internet where you probably would rather not be advertising. So you need technology that helps you filter out some of that so you can be um, convinced that your advertising is appearing in good places.
0: And what is that technology? Is it, is it something that plugs in somewhere or what exactly is it?
1: So the technology comes in lots lots of different guises. Um, So we work with a company called Integral Ad Science. And what that effectively does is it looks through the website. The the internet's kind of full of these awful terms. It sort of like crawls the website or scrapes. It doesn't sound good. Yeah, all of that stuff. And um, looks for terms that are um, uh, the the, the advertiser lists that they want they want blocked. So, so,
0: what kind of words would it be looking for? Well, this
1: is where it gets controversial. So, for instance, a um, uh, words like uh, racism might be blocked, which in itself sounds laudable, but actually that penalises something like the Guardian because we write lots of articles about racism, um, which means that the ads are blocked, although the contents not racist.
0: So, it's the word it's searching for that it worries about, not what's said with that word
1: exactly so um there are more technologies coming through there's businesses like mantis who um can have a much more nuanced grasp of the um, the context that the ads are appearing as well so in 2017 the times broke a story about uh brand advertising appearing on uh kind of unsavory content on youtube there was a feature about the uh uh, royal ascot ads appearing on bestiality videos where it's believed the word horse had triggered them <laughs> um, and we weren't immune, if you remember there were guardian ads running on isis videos um with a little uh, guardian banner ad at the bottom saying become a guardian member you had these like four people with like balaclavas and ak-47 so a very vivid call to action but uh, not the one we were we were looking for
0: and right no absolutely not and is that why then this brand safe technology came in to sort of stop that from happening
1: Yeah, I mean, that's when it really kind of kicked off. And I think the issue you've got now is that it's kind of stopping ads appearing on news because as the news agenda's got more divisive, particularly on the kind of political um, spectrum, uh, movements like Black Lives Matter and um, LGBTQI+, and kind of sex-positive stories, actually that means that lots of um, the terms that brands um, actively try to block stops ads appearing from content that has any kind of relevance to that at all.
0: And you can see why that's obviously um, damaging to a brand like ours at The Guardian, because it means that we miss out on a lot of opportunities um, to have adverts next to our brilliant copy about these themes. Exactly
1: that. So about 18% of Guardian inventory is um, deemed as not brand safe. So, for instance, um, a couple of weeks ago, our homepage was deemed as a 96% um, medium risk for drugs content because we are running loads of content about the coronavirus but the vaccine. vaccines.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, which just sounds really daft and, and not commonsensical at all. And you can see why that's got an impact for, for news brands like ours. But what about for brands? What do you think it means for them?
1: Well, I think it's, it's, it's a really strange predicament because at, at an agency, you might have the, um, the print buying team who are audited on trying to get their ads into the main news section. So they're doing everything they possibly can and being measured against that. Mm. And just over the corridor, you've got the um, uh, the digital buying team who are doing everything they can to stop ads appearing in main news. So I think for brands, you've kind of got contradictory positioning. The risk uh, of appearing on The Guardian is not the same as appearing as an ad on, on, on a long-tail, a long-tail site. The real risk is that for brands, risk not really um, getting in front of uh, big audiences. So I'd say, and I would say this, of course, but The Guardian, Guardian, Guardian kind of helps brands become culturally relevant. And a lot of that has to do with the news or hot topics that are happening now. If brands aren't really able to tap into that, they're missing out on big opportunities. But that's fine for us. I'd say uh, for other types of websites, like um, LGBTQI plus um, websites, for instance, um, often get blocked because the contents deemed to be over-sexualized. And that actually stops brands from engaging with a really large and important demographic um, that they they, they should be thinking about connecting with. I caught up with Chris Kenner, who's the CEO of Brand Advance, to find out how brand safety technology impacts publishers of content for minority groups. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, First of all, uh, lovely to see you again. How's lockdown treating you?
2: Yeah, getting through, getting through.
1: What's the first thing you're gonna do when you get out?
2: I think I'm gonna go to Soho House and not leave until they physically make me. (laughs) So if you're seeing someone getting dragged down Greek street, it will be yours truly.
1: And you've grown this huge business. been massively successful. You're working with brands like GSK and Unilever and Adidas. But where did it all start? What was the spark that, um, that kind of made you want to do this?
2: Oh, what made me want to do it is easy. I have two kids. One's black and one's white. And I'll be damned if advertising is just going to speak to my white daughter and for some reason block my son, her brother, um, and just stick words like black man you know, that are interracial or, and just because of the media he consumes, which is no, it's just just as brand safe as hers. Yes. It's talking about rapping. It's talking about grime. It's talking about things that he's interested in. Even basketball gets blocked sometimes because of the words that are used within basketball, you know? So that's really, I've, I've mentioned it a lot and I'm sure people listening to this have heard me mention it a lot, but so I'm, just keeping it simple.
1: It's an important point, isn't it? Because the um, what you're trying to do, what you set brand advance uh, up to, up for, is kind of pitched against some of the technology that is trying to keep brands safe in inverted comments. So, um, what, what's been your experiences of of brand safety technology? How's it has it kind of um, prevented you from achieving what you wanted? Well, we had
2: to just not use it, and then work with partners, and then build our own, because basically. Blunt keyword blocking should just stop today. Like, nobody should use it anymore. We have contextual tagging technology. It's there. It's relatively the same price as the other technology. So everyone should turn it off today. Because how can we stick black squares on our social media watch uh, Harry and Meghan ha- uh, having a conversation and you know agree with some of the bits and then go to work and either if we're a brand send the list or if we're an agency implement the list in good conscience how how are we doing that you know um, I don't know if it's a real word but I remember it was a word when I was a kid but being two-faced contradiction I think is the adult term it's just this I just don't get it and like You know, like we said, from the beginning, I came into this industry from a different angle. And so, you know, for me, a problem is two two barrels and a plank of wood and a river. Always has been, because that was the first problem I ever did at 16 when I was joining the army and they gave me two barrels and no rope. And you're like, how do you do this? And then you realise you just get the person to hold on to it and they become the plank and you get across the river on their back. That's what I look at every problem as. And... This is a very simple problem. There's technology over there that does a better job than what we're using. But let's just continue to use this one anyway. But talking about Black Lives Matter is not racism. It's the absolute opposite to racism, you know. It's talking about the implications of racism. That's not racism, you know. So these categorizations of things, talking about anything about LGBT is not sexually explicit. (laughs) Just come on. And it still gets tagged. A lot of this software still tags it. You know it does. Right through to COVID and stuff like that. I I mean, COVID uh, uh, has highlighted the problem, but really um, we need to think about what these technologies are doing. They are destroying communities. And why I say they destroy them is, if a community doesn't get spoken to by brands the community media doesn't get the revenue of that and if the community media doesn't get the revenue you know black people run black publications and they feed their little black and brown kids and if you're not unilever's not giving them money and i'm using them because they do if their you know billions of dollars of funding is not getting through then that community is being deprived and so actually don't block all the Black Lives Matter content let's just block negative sentiment on the Black Lives Matter content but if there's positive sentiment or even neutral sentiment I want to be next to that I want to monetize it because I want them voices to be heard.
0: Next up, we meet Laura Lesser, Senior Manager in Culture and Innovation at O2 to chat about the ongoing dangers of fake news, how brands can better serve society, and when
3: being safe means being too safe. In terms of brand safety, it's really important not to take a, a, a full kind of blanket approach and um, to really dig into the detail uh, working together with your agencies. Um, and when we started on this journey, um, we, we took our time to really uh, look at what we were doing already in this space. Um, and one of the first steps we took was to uh, review what was originally a, a blacklist and a whitelist of, of websites and keywords. Um, and what and what did you discover? What did you see there? Well, we actually, um, we had a look and we realised that we were being too um, too safe in this space and that there was yeah. a danger that we were excluding um, a lot of, you know, positive opportunities and, um, and good journalism out there with potential to be defunding it. So uh, we take more of a brand suitability um, approach to it now um, and we regularly like review this on, a, on an ongoing basis as well um, and we've moved away um, from that sort of more uh, black and white approach to um, much more of a, a responsible um, one with block lists um, and site approved site lists as well. Well that's really good to hear, because that nuance is is really um
0: really important, and like you say you could be, you could be inadvertently blocking a, a platform or or you know a publication that that you would absolutely want to advertise with and I mean and talking about the kind of the dangers of of fake news i mean um for brands or the dangers of being
3: in irresponsible places has has that have, or too suffered from that? would you say We have seen that on on a sort of a mass consumer level we have seen. Um, the dangers of misinformation and a really good example uh recently was around 5G and the conspiracy theories linking it to covid um and this actually um went from you know fake news and misinformation online to real world impacts where um we were seeing like dozens of our 5G 3G and 4G in fact masts destroyed destroyed on a weekly basis by like misinformed people and um even you know, verbal attacks on our engineers and, and things like that. And it wasn't even, you know, a lot of the time, it wasn't even the 5G masts. it was the 3G and the 4G masks, which were, you know, keeping people connected and in touch with their loved ones and even, like, the emergency services going. So um, that's where, you know, we've, we've really seen that hit us. And um, we actually, um, as part of our partnership with the Conscious Advertising Network, we were able to work with... Um, themselves and Google to um, change the policy around that so Google reviewed um, its covid misinformation policy as part of um, its dangerous and derogatory content um, and it was no longer then open to monetization and that's the real risk here that you know brands like us we could inadvertently be funding climate change denial <laughs> so that's where that's where brand safety is obviously really important um, but then you know at, at the other end you could go so far as we've seen it with quality sites like the guardian where um news is being blocked out from monetization just because it includes the word vaccine or or related things to that term yes
0: well we know we know all about that and in fact we're working together aren't we which which is great to sort of um work out what what really is unsafe to advertise next to um and i know that um you've you've worked with the members of our team on a brand unsafe package
3: yeah absolutely um no it's it's good to it's it's really good to be working together on this um, we recently launched um, a campaign called Community Calling, and that's all around highlighting the digital divide in the UK. So, of course, we wanted as, as many people as possible to see this because it's all around um, highlighting this this issue that 7 million people in the UK can't actually access the internet full stop. And we want to raise awareness of this and also drive donations to our charity partner hubbub to get as many people donating old smartphones as possible so for us it it wouldn't make sense that you know there wouldn't be a danger of this content appearing against um neutral news so yeah absolutely why would you want to limit a message like that you really wouldn't no absolutely and you know we we see you'd see in the press that um there aren't there aren't so many sh- restrictions, but it seems to be that there is more of a sort of blanket approach to digital online safety and for us we we've done a, a few other things to combat this where we do the upfront planning and we've got a trust and transparency framework that that we've put together which um, allows us to audit um audit in advance um, and work with partners such as IAS around brand safety to make sure that we are proactively looking at this, and and we and we therefore we're monitoring it closely, um, and we can take more of a pragmatic decision around it and, and work closely with you guys on it. Yeah, and and that's brilliant. And it's not just about pragmatism
0: either, is it? I mean, reaching a diverse audience is so so important for um, brand health. I mean, would you kind of, you know, what what are the factors that um, that really lend themselves to brand brand health in the long term? Would you say?
3: Yeah. Well, I think that. If you're not reaching a diverse audience um, and you're limiting it, then there is a, a real a real risk in terms of being able to represent and reach your customers. And there's also a business case that you're not driving efficiency um, and effectiveness. So um, I think it's it's really important as brands we take that responsibility that we're doing the right thing for society and looking at how we can positively shape the internet. Um, and we hold that high degree of responsibility for for the content that shapes it so we need to be asking the right questions and, and make sure we're fully prepared but um we absolutely we we can't take this blanket approach um, and that's where you risk uh also losing trust and, and relevance with your customers and um you know the the next generation gen z they're already 41 percent of the world's population and they are much more of a conscious customer looking at uh, brands' roles um, in advertising and and how they are serving society. So we need to be really um, proactive around what we're doing in this area. Finally, here's Matt McIntyre,
0: the Vice President of Programmatic at Essence and we'll get his take on nuance, pandemic blind spots and why he hopes we move to a world beyond blunt keywords.
4: So brand safety is an onion of a term. It's a bit of a term that encompasses an onion, an onion of a term. It's like, many, you know, think back to the Shrek sort of analogy, many, many layers of an onion. Um, brand safety is doing a lot of things and it's actually various different techniques and partners that are all sort of stitched together. So the, the core sort of idea behind brand safety is to ensure that your ads don't appear in places that you don't want them to appear uh, and generally, that means websites that are you know, illegal or based around content that you're not comfortable being around or specific pages and the content of those pages that you don't want to have your advertising around as well.
0: Do you think that that's how it works? I mean, obviously, when you set something up as a principle, you, everyone wants the same thing. And then sometimes in reality, things go awry. What's your feeling on the real application of it?
4: Yeah. So because there's many different pieces to brand safety, right? Like you've got very, very broad, blunt tools. And then you've also got some quite technical, smart, automated tools that are making very nuanced decisions about individual pages. And I guess the difficulty is understanding exactly how you merge all those tools together and use them the right way so that you're not either, you know, not applying enough protection to brands and leaving too many holes. Um, or actually also conversely, you don't want to be applying too many brand safety controls too, um, too strongly and actually restricting opportunities for your brands to put advertising in places that are going to do good things for them. Um, And also, you you don't want to be putting too many brand safety blocks in place that you create issues for publishers who have Uh, good quality content that you could that could be monetized actually maybe we're not we're not buying into
0: I'm going to take that as a direct compliment to the Guardian (laughs) thank you very much yes that is us Um, exactly that do you know just in terms of obviously um, your title gives it away you're very much um, a digital person um, but is do you ever kind of like find it um, quite contradictory when in in print people want to advertise next to hard news and in digital people just don't can you sort of explain what do you think about that
4: yeah I think that with digital advertising came the promise and the expectation of increased addressability and the abilities to target users or consumers one-to-one, user audiences. Um, and with that sort of greater understanding of audiences and targeting, I, the expectation sort of grew as well that we'd be able to control the situations in which advertising appears and potentially in, in you know, in press and in print, there's some situations where uh, an advertiser might look at their ad and may not feel totally comfortable that the ad doesn't align well with their values or is quite controversial with the creative they've been using. Um, and with digital, I guess there's an, there's that opportunity there to sort of control that a little bit more um, and to ensure that you don't put the brand in a risky situation and that you know you're not you're not putting yourself in a bad spot. And so, I guess with that expectation, there's, there's obviously everyone who's been looking at the different tools and techniques and the different ways that they can sort of build that control in. So obviously, there's there's a kind of higher bar then for what what brands might want digitally. And you talked about,
0: um, you mentioned the onion, and I know you've, um, I know, I know we've worked together on on things that use a combination of various things. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Tell us like how you sort of see the future of that brand safety, whether it's moving towards brand suitability you tell us a little bit more about that, please?
4: Yeah. So in that onion, we've got that sort of range of tools. And you've got very blunt tools where you can just block entire sites, block entire site categories. Um, and you can block based on the keywords that are in the, the URL of the pages. And those are really, really powerful tools. But they, I think more and more as we learn about how it's impacting the, the news industry and how it's impact, impacting publishers, we're learning that we need to be a bit more careful about how they're applied and how advertisers use them. Um, So we're moving towards a world where you have to be using those sort of blunt tools in a, in a, in a more careful sense to make sure that you've got those base level protections you need to ensure you're not appearing against the type kinds of sites and the kinds of content that are really going to be detrimental. And that's, you know, that is the fraud, that is the, the illegal sites that is making sure you stay away from the kinds of sites that you don't want to be against. And when it comes to the more trusted sort of part of the internet, especially with news publishers, we need to rely heavier on. The technology companies that are going to bring about semantic solutions to help us understand what's happening on the page, and not just and go beyond just a keyword, because keywords like coronavirus, especially in the past year, have really taught us that that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good or a bad article for our advertising to appear against. We need to really understand what that article is about. And is that the kind of page which actually fits with our brands or is there a specific risk?
0: And and, and useful to us as well, of course, as a, as a publisher. So so that, that's great. And, and that evolution that we're sort of discussing, I suppose, like where, where do you see that going? Do you think there ever could be a time when like all quality news brands would be declared brand safe or is it just never going to get there?
4: <laughs> I think it's a big challenge. I think that a lot of quality news brands, you know, the the vast majority of imagery is really safe, but there's always going to be exceptions. And, you know, as, as an agency um, and advising our, our, our advertising clients, we need to make sure that we're managing for those exceptions as well as for the general rule. So I think that um, we're, we're really, really, you know, big on, on the fact that quality news publishing, we need to support it. We need to find ways to change the ways we're working with together to, to make sure we don't create these blind spots like we had at the start of the pandemic last year, which really shone a light on the issue, I think. But it's, it's, it's probably quite difficult to, to say that, you know, all controls will just be turned off. Something that's really important to consider is, is that the buying route makes a big difference to how brand safety control, controls are deployed. If you're buying across the open exchange, we may be buying across hundreds of sites at the same time. And we have to deploy a strategy that allows us to flexibly buy across all of those sites. And buying across the open exchange is is done for a reason. It's, It's, you know, it creates commercial benefit for clients. It performs really well. And so it's not always possible for us to move investment to more direct routes like guaranteed or, you know, even old school insertion orders where we can sort of allow the publishers more trust and control. So there's a balance where we have to see how do we deploy really scaled tools to work across the open exchange when we are buying in that fashion. But there is going to be a lot of opportunity on brand campaigns and with certain types of advertisers where we can move budgets to more direct routes of buying, like Guaranteed, and that allows us to really you know break down those walls a lot more and put a lot more trust in those publishing partners to put the right rules in place for, for each brand.
0: That's fantastic. So balance and onions. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, <laughs> Matt. Um, thank you for talking to us.
4: No problem. Thank you.
0: So that's it for this episode of Reach and Frequency. Thanks to all our guests, Chris, Laura and Matt, for sharing their thoughts. I've definitely learned lots about brand safety. Final thought from you, Adam?
1: I guess it's just, you know, with digital comes so much opportunity and possibility. Um, sometimes we just need to be a bit careful that it's not overreaching and um, becoming something that could be harmful. So we'll see you next time um, when our subject is going to be brand purpose.
3: great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com podcasts.